even though there's 92 minerals in the sea, only three that we really have to keep track of, magnesium and iron and bioavailable copper. The immune system that we rely on needs two things. It needs energy and it needs intelligence. And guess what? Copper provides both. Copper is a mineral midget, but it is a metabolic giant. There's been this inordinate focus on iron, sugar, and vitamin D, and people don't realize what that has done to copper, which it basically runs the body. Welcome to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast, where we meet the world's top experts to explore the secrets of health, mindset, longevity, and so much more. Are you ready to take charge of your existence and biohack your life? This show is for you. Please keep in mind, we're not dispensing medical advice and are not responsible for any outcomes you may experience from implementing the tactics lying herein. Are you ready? Let's do this. Welcome back to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. Okay, friends, today's episode is one of those episodes where I kept getting so many requests to have today's guest on. People kept saying, can you please interview Morley Robbins? They were reading his book and telling me that it was mind-blowing information, especially since I have a history of anemia. Prepare yourself, friends, for so many paradigm shifts in today's episode. In fact, it was so fascinating that I'm going to have Morley back for a Q&A. So after listening to today's episode, please in my Facebook group, let me know what questions you have for Morley because I am going to have him back for a special Q&A episode. But yes, we dive deep into so many topics, things like the great oxygen event and how it changed everything, the role of vitamin D, Morley even says that certain vitamin deficiencies don't exist, which is kind of crazy. We talk about the role of copper in foods, which is very controversial, the types of iron and why iron storage in the body is so complicated, and why if it seems like you have low iron, that might not actually be the main cause. We talk about vitamin C, magnesium, so many things. I cannot wait to hear what you guys think. So again, definitely let me know in my Facebook group and definitely let me know what questions you have for Morley for when we bring him back. There will be two episode giveaways for this episode. One will be in my Facebook group, IF Biohackers, Intermittent Fasting Plus Real Foods Plus Life. Comment something you learned or something that resonated with you on the pinned post to enter to win something that I love. And then find my Instagram, find the Friday announcement post, and again, comment there to enter to win something that I love. These show notes for today's episode will have a full transcript as well as links to everything that we talked about. I know that will be super helpful because we dive deep into so many things in this episode. That will be at melanieavalon.com slash Morley Robbins. That's M-O-R-L-E-Y-R-O-B-B-I-N-S. If you are enjoying the show, it would mean the absolute world, world, world if you could take a brief moment and write a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps so much more than most people realize. Honestly, friends, it's the best way to support the show. So thank you so, so much in advance for that. I have a very exciting announcement, friends. I have officially launched a TikTok channel. I've been on Instagram for a while, but it is time for TikTok. And with the channel, I'm going to be posting daily, very high quality, awesome biohacking content tips and tricks, things from my life. And I really want to bring the glam to biohacking because I feel like biohacking can be very male-centric or focused on a certain type of person. And I just want to break that stereotype and bring all the sparkles. 
So please join me there. My handle is Melanie Avalon official. Please let me know what you'd like to see from me, what you think of the content. I do feel pretty shy about it. So please join me so that we can be friends and just go on the most epic biohacking adventure. Okay, friends, spirulina update. It is still coming. I know it's been taking a while. It's just because I want to make the most ideal spirulina tablets on the market, ones that are tested for purity and potency and to be free of all pesticides and just the highest quality. So we've got that spirulina source. It tastes awesome. The issue we're experiencing is that in order to make it into tablets, it requires another ingredient. If you are currently taking spirulina tablets and they say they are one ingredient, They are not one ingredient. There is something in there that is helping to keep that structure. So we're trying to figure out which route to go with this. It's really fun because I keep trying different samples. I think I know which one I like the most, but we'll see which one I end up picking. Either way, I really love the taste of our spirulina. It doesn't taste fishy or algae and I really experienced the benefits. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, you can get my other Avalon X supplements at avalonx.us. Friends, have you jumped on the serapeptase bandwagon yet? That's what I launched with. And to this day, it continues to be my most favorite supplement ever. It's a proteolytic enzyme created by the Japanese silkworm. When you take it in the fasted state, it actually breaks down non-living problematic proteins in your body. So it can help address an array of issues. Like I said, it will clear your sinuses, calm inflammation, It may help reduce cholesterol. Studies have shown it can break down amyloid plaque. It can help alleviate pain and so much more. I take it daily. It is one of the most important supplements in my arsenal. This is the new year. Start it off right. Get some serapeptase. You can get 10% off with the coupon code Melanie Avalon, as well as a 20% off code when you text Avalon X to 877-861-8318. That's Avalon X to 877-861-8318. Those codes will also work with my fantastic partner, MD Logic Health. For that, go to melanieavalon.com slash mdlogic. And of course, all of my supplements I formulated to be the very best on the market. They're tested multiple times for heavy metals and mold. They're free of all common allergens as well as problematic fillers, which goes back to that whole spirulina formulation issue I was talking about. They come in glass bottles to help prevent leaching of plastics into ourselves and the environment. And we even use the minimal amount of stickiness required for the labels to help with our environmental impact. To get these fantastic products, go to avalonx.us and definitely get on my email list so that you don't miss the Spirulina launch special. For that, go to avalonx.us slash email list. Another resource for you guys If you struggle with food sensitivities like I do, you have got to get my app, Food Sense Guide. It's a comprehensive catalog of over 300 foods for 11 potentially problematic compounds. These include things you may be reacting to, like gluten, lectins, FODMAPs, histamine, oxalates, sulfites, thiols, whether or not something is a nightshade, and so much more. It even includes autoimmune paleo AIP status. You can learn about the compounds, create your own list to share and print, and finally take charge of your food sensitivities. It is a top Apple app, often in the top 10 for the Apple food and drinks charts. And friends, get it now because I'm going to be updating it to a subscription basis soon. So you definitely want to get grandfathered in for life at one super low price. With the subscriptions, by the way, I'm going to be implementing some pretty cool features. So I need to do subscriptions to help support that. So like I said, get it now before we change to subscriptions. You can get it at melanieavalon.com slash food sense guide. And one more thing before we jump in. 
Did you know there are over a thousand compounds found in conventional skincare and makeup in the U.S. that have been banned in Europe due to their toxicity? If you are using conventional skincare and makeup, you are directly putting into your bloodstream toxic compounds, including obesogens, which can literally cause your body to store and gain weight. So if your diet's not working, you might want to think about what's happening with your skincare and makeup, as well as carcinogens linked to cancer. I'm not making this up. And just endocrine disruptors in general, which mess with our hormones. Thankfully, there's an easy solution to this. There's a company called Beauty Counter, and they were founded on a mission to change this. Every single ingredient is extensively tested to be safe for your skin, so you can truly feel good about what you put on, and their products really work. I am obsessed with their overnight resurfacing peel, their vitamin C serum, they have shampoo and conditioner, skincare lines for every skin type, and incredible makeup. It's so amazing that Tina Fey actually wore all beauty counter makeup when she hosted the Golden Globes. So yes, it is high definition camera ready. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Melanie Avalon and use the coupon code cleanforall20 to get 20% off site-wide. You can get the latest updates from me, specials, sales, samples, and so much more on my email list. That's at melanieavalon.com slash cleanbeauty. And you can join me in my Facebook group, Clean Beauty and Safe Skincare with Melanie Avalon. People share product reviews and their experiences, and I do a giveaway every single week in that group as well. And lastly, if you're thinking of making clean beauty and safe skincare a part of your future, like I have, I definitely recommend becoming a Band of Beauty member. It's sort of like the Amazon Prime for clean beauty. You get 10 percent back in product credit, free shipping on qualifying orders, and a welcome gift that is worth way more than the price of the year-long membership. It is totally completely worth it. And I'll put all this information in the show notes. An important announcement, friends. My EMF blocking products are coming. Make sure you don't miss the launch special. For that, get on my email list at melanieavalon.com slash EMF email list. EMFs are actually classified by the IARC as a group 2B, possibly carcinogenic to humans. These are such a problem. We are exposed to them through our Wi-Fi, our cell phones, our AirPods, And they are linked to so many health issues, including anxiety, migraines, headaches, even fertility issues. This is such a problem. Thankfully, you can address your EMF exposure. I'm going to help with that with my Avalon X EMF blocking product line. So again, get on my email list at melanieavalon.com slash EMF email list to check that out. All right, without further ado, please enjoy this wonderful conversation with Morley Robbins. Hi friends, welcome back to the show. I am so incredibly excited about the conversation that I am about to have. It is with a legend in the world of minerals and friends, if you are interested for a paradigm shift in your world, get ready for today's conversation. So the backstory on today's conversation, I actually have been getting requests for quite a while to have a conversation with this man. I'm here today with Morley Robbins. And many people in my Facebook group kept reaching out saying, have you heard about him? And especially because I actually have a history of anemia, although we can talk about what that actually means. And so experiencing that, and I often talk about my issues with iron supplementation and just fixing that issue. So many people were saying, please get Morley on your show. And so I think the reason I'm pausing and hesitating is normally now with the shows, people 
reach out to me about coming on, but I think I reached out to you. Like, I think I sought you, sought you out. I think I'm pretty sure nine months ago, been a while. (laughs) So yeah, I'm pretty sure I did. So that's how, you know, I mean, I love all the episodes on this show, obviously, but that's how, you know, I really, really wanted to have this conversation. So I read Morley's book. It's called cure your fatigue, but cure is written like, like C U dash R E. Wait, that's for copper, right? Yes, absolutely. Silly question. The root cause and how to fix it on your own. And so I read the book and okay, we're <laughs> there's a lot of stuff in here, a lot of potentially controversial ideas and like I said, paradigm shifts. So I have so many questions. I'm really excited to dive in. So Morley, thank you so much for being here. And also I wish listeners, well, I don't wish listeners could see us, but we are having audio issues. So we have a very rogue setup going on right now. Like I'm literally talking through my phone. <laughs> it, yeah. So it's a whole thing. But, but we're nimble. We're resilient. We figured out a way to have the conversation. I'm very excited. Delighted to be here. I'm sure we're going to have some interesting discussion, no doubt. I think so. To start things off, you do talk about this in your book. For listeners who are not familiar with your work, what led you to to doing what you're doing today? Did you have an epiphany one day? What was your role like, you know, as a hospital executive? What all happened? Yeah. So a, a real quick thumbnail sketch. I was born into a very sickly family. My mom was an alcoholic and had three heart attacks and a stroke. My dad was manic depressive with schizophrenic tendencies and just all sorts of aunts and uncles and and grandparents that were in and out of the hospital. And so my sister became a nurse while I was supposed to become the doctor, right? So we could take care of the family. And everything was cool until I got to college and realized, oh, wow, this is a lot of work. So I wasn't quite the academic back then that I am now. In fact, if people saw my college transcript, they'd probably run the other way. But but the thing is, if you can't be a doctor, then you become a hospital executive so you can boss them around. Well, that's the path I took. So I did that for 12 years. I was never the CEO, but I was always a senior executive and reporting to the CEO. And I was focused on planning and strategy and marketing and growth the growth of the organization. And after I did that for a dozen years, then I went into consulting where I was solving bigger problems for bigger organizations and moving all over the country. You know, I was on the road probably three or four nights a week for 20 years and very stressful lifestyle and pretty much burned myself out. But after pulling a suitcase behind my back for 20 years, I created what's called a frozen shoulder. And I couldn't pick my hand up above my waist. And I went to a health food store, which I had frequented for about 20 years. And they said, you need to go see Dr. Liz. Well, that I knew was code for a chiropractor. They said, I don't, I don't do witchcraft. Sell me some supplements. And they sold me supplements. They didn't do anything. I was in such pain. I couldn't sleep. Finally, I went back after a couple months. I said, you must have something stronger. And the owner of the store looked me in the eye. And she said, Morley, we love you. Go see Dr. Liz. So with my tail between my legs, I went to see Dr. Liz, who is now my wife. And so it was a rather monumental experience. But she healed my frozen shoulder by going 
on the the TMJ joint, where there's a, a muscle in the in the joint in the inside of your mouth, and with the full weight of her body, she pushed on that, and as she pressed on that, my arm lifted, and it was as close to a miracle as I've ever been, and I couldn't believe how much pain relief there was, and one thing led to another, and I became her girl Friday for two years. It was a fascinating experience to be in a chiropractor's office helping to run the show, but I was able to do research. And for some reason, I was drawn to minerals. I don't know. I really, to this day, Melanie, I don't know what it, what the real initial attraction was, but somehow I honed in on magnesium. Then I honed in on the fact that magnesium has a relationship with iron. Iron has a relationship with oxygen. Oh my gosh, there's this thing called copper. And that was 14 years ago. And it's been a, a whirlwind of, of daily research, two to three hours a day, seven days a week for 14 years. And I'm just amazed by what I've learned, what I've been able to share with people. And, you know, it's led to what's called the root cause protocol, which is described in the book, Cure Your Fatigue. The, the front half of that book, for those who are interested, is what's the problem? And the back half is how to solve it. And it's a very different paradigm, as you alluded to. But I think what keeps me coming back is every day I learn something new. And I'm absolutely humbled by how much there is that I don't know. And it is a miracle that none of this information is taught in doctor school. And I think that's part of the kind of the crazy world that we live in. But I think if people knew how straightforward our physiology is and how mineral dependent it is, they'd be running down the streets like their hair was on fire, saying, why, why haven't they told us this? There's no economic incentive to tell people how the body really works. And so we're left in this very nefarious Byzantine state of fear coupled with poor, the, the quality of the food, as you know, is just bankrupt and corrupt. And so people are just not aware of what it takes to ensure and guarantee um, healthy metabolism. So it's just been an ongoing process. That is an incredible origin story. I have a really quick question. I, I don't mean to go on an entire tangent, but I just learned the other day, hospitals, are the majority of them actually privately owned? Like they're not a government institution? Oh yeah, absolutely. They're, they're private. I mean, there are there, there's a small segment that are are owned by, you know, county government, county governments, or maybe state governments. But for the mass, for the most part, the vast majority are privately owned. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think that's a paradigm shift for people. I think most people assume it's, you know, all government. I think the thing that people need to know, and and again, people can say I'm a conspiracist, but I'm not when I can prove it. But people need to know that the money you have in your checking account is not yours. It's the bank's. That came by way of the Patriot Act. But what happened during COVID is when you go into a hospital and you sign the forms that they give you, you're waiving all of your rights. And I think it's important for people to know how draconian it has become in the hospital setting. So it's just a word of warning. And, and when people do go to the hospital, I want you to know what you're up against. First thing they're going to do is give you antibiotics. Then there's going to be some procedure usually that involves surgery. Then there's going to be pain medications 
that involve fluoride, and you're going to get the worst food you've ever had in your lifetime and no sleep. So those five assaults are really devastating to the healing process. Well, I mean, to that point, I will say, and it's relevant, extremely relevant to today's episode, the time that I was admitted and hospitalized for multiple days was for anemia. So it was for blood transfusions. I'm very you know, grateful because they, and, and we can maybe circle back to this later because that did really help me. But the experience there was like, I think I still have so much trauma from it. I was like, I'm never being admitted to the hospital again. We can circle back to all of that. I think that would be a really important cornerstone of this conversation. We can definitely circle back to that. But so a foundational question to get started. I find this really interesting. Do you think there are a lot of... <laughs> parallel universes where different minerals and vitamins are focused on. And what I mean by that is there are so many vitamins, so many minerals. You talk in your book about how there's like, you know, 92 known minerals, but for some reason, or maybe there is a reason we focus on like a few key ones, I feel like. So why do you think that is? And are we focusing on the right ones? What are we not focusing on? Could it have been a different way? Absolutely. So what, what people listening to this conversation can't see is a, a very, it's a beautiful piece of artwork that's in the shape of a triangle. It's actually a, depicting Egyptian healing. It's a, it's a really cool piece of artwork. But in any event, it's a triangle for a reason, because <laughs> there's a hierarchy. And I'm absolutely convinced that even though there's 92 minerals on the, on the, in the sea, and there's 82 that are really important for our body, only three that we really have to keep track of, and those are magnesium and iron and what I call bioavailable copper. And and it isn't that I'm discounting the importance of things like selenium or boron or calcium or the electrolytes, what have you. It's that when you start to try to focus on 82 minerals, it's overwhelming. One of the anacronyms that I created as a consultant, I turned the word focus into a strategy for my clients. The word focus stands for finite objectives create unlimited success. And when I got my clients to focus on two or three objectives, they had amazing results in their organization because they could communicate two or three ideas all the way from the the C-suite all the way down to you know the, the personnel that are keeping the hallways clean. And so I think what what is missing in medicine and nutrition is that sense of focus, sense of priority, sense of, of rank order of importance. And the the tragedy we've got, Melanie, is over the course of the last century, there's been this inordinate focus on iron and sugar and vitamin D, and people don't realize what that has done to copper and fat metabolism and retinol, which it basically runs the body. But vitamin D has been glorified and vaulted into this, you know, amazing status as a, as a nutrient, when in fact it's regulated by retinol. And, and all of the attributes of vitamin D, you know, faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive for vitamin D, are just a misnomer because 
It's not storage D that matters. It's active D. And, and a lot of people don't know there's two different forms of vitamin D. But it, but storage, think of storage D as parked cars. Think of active D as cars on the Autobahn. There's a big difference. Have you ever been on the Autobahn? It's an amazing experience, you know, going 120 miles an hour and you're kind of standing still. And so active D is where it's at, but active D needs a driver. It's called VDR, vitamin D receptor, and that's magnesium dependent. And they need a nuclear receptor called RXR, retinoid X receptor, which requires retinol in the diet. Well, if you're pounding down high doses of vitamin D, the receptor for uptake is binary. And it can't take both A and D. It's got to decide. And if you're flooding the body and the diet with D, which has been the mainstream objective for the last 20 years, you are not letting any retinol into the system, and therefore you can't create retinol. So the, the triad, vitamin D, excuse me, active D, vitamin D receptor, and RxR, that triad is what's essential to make the immune system different. And nobody knows about those level of details. And, and all the optics are on storage D. Well, storage D doesn't always turn into active D. And so it, it gets into a very uncomfortable realm because over the last three years, as we well know, people have been wildly distracted by taking certain supplements to avoid a certain condition. And what, what people didn't know is that the cocktail, ascorbic acid, vitamin D, and zinc destroys the bioavailability of copper. Well, the meme that runs medicine, the meme that runs nutrition, is you're anemic and you're copper toxic. And that's narrative. The truth is the world has become completely copper deficient and they are drowning in iron. And the reason why it's such a controversy is when you were told that you were anemic, it wasn't lack of iron in your body. It was lack of iron in your bloodstream. And the iron was stuck in the recycling macrophages in your liver and spleen because no one ever told you that the iron recycling system has a back door. And the door is called ferroportin. F-E-R-R-O, iron, doorway, ferroportin. And ferroportin is, requires a copper doorman. And if you don't have copper in your diet and you don't have copper in your tissue, the iron recycling system can't work right. And then the iron is going to start to look low in the bloodstream. So the reason why this is so important is that every second of every day, we need to make two and a half million new red blood cells, because every second, two and a half million are dying. And in the course of 24 hours, we need to make over 2 trillion red blood cells. Trust me, that's a lot of red blood cells. But what will surprise you and what will surprise your audience is that it only takes 25 milligrams of iron to replace 2 trillion red blood cells. 
Now, the average person should have about 4,000 milligrams of iron. So 25 of 4,000 is what's needed to replace the iron that's in 70% of the body iron. I'm throwing out a lot of numbers. I'm hoping you're following. The bulk of iron in the human body is tied up in red blood cells. It's 70%. It's a, it's a bucket of iron. And then there's a teacup of iron called ferritin. And that's a storage protein for iron that's supposed to be inside the cells. It is not supposed to show up in the blood. The ferritin that shows up in the blood is empty shotgun shells. Not my idea, the work of some of the most preeminent hematologists on the planet. And so people don't realize what's really going on. And then there's a thimble of iron, and it's called serum iron. Very tiny. It's one-tenth of one percent of the iron in the body is tied up in what's called serum. And that's the seawater that red blood cells swim in. So when you spell it S-E-A-R-U-M, you'll remember that that's the seawater. And it's supposed to have the mineral composition of seawater. I don't think that happens in today's world. But the point is, depending upon what marker the practitioner used for you would have dictated why there may have been a complete misunderstanding about your iron status. And when you got the infusion, you felt better probably for about six weeks. And this has been well studied. Probably the best example of studying this was by Robert Hodges in 1978. And it was a a three-year-long study of the reality of beta-carotene and retinol versus iron infusions as to which really drove hemoglobin recovery. And, and it was, it's a very important study for people to know about because iron infusions will work, but, but it's a very temporary dynamic. And what is a permanent solution is having retinol and bioavailable copper to run and regulate every facet of iron metabolism. And that's, that's a very unique point of view that is based on, you know, 14 years of research and reading and reflection. And, and I would add case studies with thousands of clients over the last 12 years. Does that make sense? I mean, that's a lot. I mean, I just, I just downloaded a lot of information. And I apologize. But I think it's important for people to really question the narrative of mainstream medicine, even alternative medicine, because I don't think people understand the true relationship between copper and iron. No, this is great. And I have so many follow-up questions. So before getting more into the iron part, going back to the vitamin D piece, when people get a vitamin D test, that is the serum vitamin D, and I'm assuming that's the storage form. So what do you think is happening? Because especially with COVID, and they were doing this beforehand as well, but there's been a lot of studies on vitamin D status and like susceptibility to COVID or COVID recovery. And they typically conclude that, you know, higher vitamin D is protective or helping. So what do you think is happening in those situations? Yeah, I've been studying this for about four years, trying to figure out what it is. And I think I may be on the cusp of, I've got my foot in the door now. Folks have heard of gout, you know, we think about, you know, 
relatives in the past, or we may have had direct experience with it. But gout is a very serious problem right now in society based on the dysregulation of uric acid. And what I just learned, what's today? Yeah, Wednesday. I went on Monday. <laughs> it's called just-in-time learning. On Monday, I learned that vitamin D inhibits uric acid metabolism. And that's not a good thing. I mean, it's a big deal, Melanie. And I have this is my working hypothesis. It's probably going to take me six months to piece all this together. As, as one person says, Morley, you're a student of your own work. And that's true. I, I keep chipping away at, at issues until I feel confident about them. But I, I have a feeling that what we witnessed between 2020 and 2022 was a suppression of uric acid that allowed people to deal with the condition. And what people need to understand is that uric acid is like, it's, it's sort of the size of Mount Everest. It turns out that uric acid is what's behind all metabolic conditions, metabolic syndrome that involves cancer, heart disease, fatty liver disease, PCOS. You name the, the metabolic condition and uric acid's in the thick of it. And when people hear uric acid, they think gout, and they think, well, I don't have gout. Well, gout is the top one inch of Mount Everest. The other 19,000 feet is metabolic syndrome. And so we've got to move away from this narrow casting that runs conventional medicine, that if this, then that. And I think the, the dynamic about how did vitamin D save so-and-so I think it's because it suppressed the creation of excess uric acid. And there's some very compelling research to back that up. But again, it's, we're still early in the hunt. The other thing for people to know is that there's both vitamin A and vitamin D have tremendous sway over the immune system. A great article for the, the gearheads out there is by Mawson, M-A-W-S-O-N, 2012. And it's a study of vitamin A and D with influenza, a very relevant study for people. And what you'll find is that vitamin D suppresses the immune system. Vitamin A downregulates the immune system. There's a big difference between suppression and downregulation. Suppression would be if one of your kids starts to act out, you grab them by the hand and you take them to their room, you lock the door and you don't let them out for a couple hours. That's called suppressing bad behavior. Downregulating, and I've done this, you put your forehead on their forehead and you say, I know you're upset. Let's go in the other room and let's talk about it. And it has a magical effect on calming them down. And that's exactly how primates communicate. I don't know whether people knew that. It's forehead, forehead to forehead to get that physical contact. But the thing is, what we have, what I think is important for people to do is learn to question the narrative. Mark Twain said it best. If you find yourself on the side of the majority, it's time to switch sides. And what should make everyone really nervous is that both allopathic and alternative practitioners agree on vitamin D but never talk about retinol. And that should make everyone really nervous because when you get into the real bowels of, of human physiology, 
you're going to learn how important retinoic acids are and how important nuclear receptors are and how important just retinol in and of itself, which is a critical component of the mitochondria inside the electron transport chain. And if you're not familiar with Hammerling 2016's study on vitamin A, then you're going to be really excited to find out how electrons ride down the tail of retinol between complex three and complex four. It's mind-blowing. The other thing that people don't know about is that it's a well-known fact that lack of retinol causes cancer. That, that's an established fact. And what most, what most people don't know is when was that first published? 1925, Montrose T. Burroughs got his MD degree at Hopkins in 1909 and was working at the Rockefeller Institute, so everyone should be sitting up and taking notice right now. And four articles in 1926 about retinol deficiency causing cancer, and then Johannes Fibiger, who, who won the Nobel Prize in 1926, wrote a very important article in 1927 about this very same topic. And it turns out that lack of retinol is what causes the Warburg effect. So there's a lot of information out there that people may not be familiar with. And one of my very dear friends is a pastor named uh, Joey Foster. And he, he was taught by his mentor the importance of missing information equals missing truth. So that's a big deal. If, if you don't know... Uh, this, this fact or that fact, it really changes your understanding of the, of the overall gestalt. So let me give you an example, Melanie, because this, this is something that I learned just yesterday morning. We have 100 trillion cells in our body, give or take, you know, a few billion. But 100 trillion cells, which means we have 100 trillion nuclei, right? Because every cell is going to have... Well, I should... Actually, let me revise that. The... 25% of those cells are red blood cells, and they do not have a nucleus. So 750 billion of those cells have a nucleus. Now, put on your thinking cap, what would you guess is the metal that has the highest concentration in the nucleus of the cell? The metal? Is it going to be copper? Yep. Ding, ding, ding. Very good. So you now know more than 99.9% .9 of all doctors on the planet. And think about it. The nucleus of the cell is dominated by copper. The other piece that people probably don't know about is they, know what, they may know what ferritin is, the storage protein. Well, that storage protein is, is not just found in the blood. And it, as, as I said earlier, it should not be in the blood, but it's found in the blood. But it's found in the cells, and it's found in the mitochondria but it's also found in the nucleus. Well, there's two forms of ferritin in the body. There's, think of it as vanilla and chocolate. Vanilla is called light chain, ferritin light chain. And it has no, it's, it's a very dysfunctional form of iron storage. The fully functional form, the chocolate form, is called ferritin heavy chain. Well, ferritin heavy chain requires copper, because it requires the ferrooxidase enzyme function. Now, when ferrooxidase is not functioning in the nucleus, you think it goes to plan B, which is light chain, 
and the and the movement of iron in the light chain ferritin creates a lot of static, a lot of sparks. It's like a square peg in a round hole. And there we have the origin of gene defects. And it's absolutely amazing that we're living in this world now where we're being told that we are genetically broken, but they forgot to tell us that copper runs histone metabolism, that copper runs transcription, that copper regulates iron storage in the nucleus, and probably a hundred things we don't know, and we're supposed to believe that we are genetically modified. And once you learn that copper dominates the nucleus, then you need to start to question the narrative. Because no one's talking about this, are they? No. And for listeners, I had Dr. Perlmutter on the show for his book, Drop Acid. If people want to learn more about uric acid, we talked all about that. So I'll put a link to that. Well, let me just, let me just say real quickly, I've identified 12 mechanisms that are copper-directed that stop the need for Dr. Johnson and Dr. Perlmutter to write their books. Oh, what do you mean? What they are talking about is polyol pathway. I'm sure Dr. Perlmutter talked about the polyol pathway. The, the first enzyme is called aldose reductase. And aldose reductase turns glucose into sorbitol, okay? Sor- sorbitol is not your friend. Sorbitol chelates copper. And what Big Pharma is really good about is making what are called aldose reductase inhibitors, right? Stop, stop that enzyme. Well, guess what Mother Nature's aldose reductase inhibitor is? It's copper. Always has been. And what I learned as I was researching this subject matter, and I don't want to get lost on the tangent, but I just want people to realize, there, as you noted, there is a parallel universe. And there is the narrative, and there is nature. And so what, what triggers the polyol pathway isn't just fructose in our diet. And I think one of the most important contributions to science is Dick Johnson's book, Why Nature Wants Us to Be Fat. He identifies the fact that there's an endogenous production of fructose, which is, I think, a major big deal. But the other driver of the polyol pathway is what's called hyperglycemia, high sugars in the diet, high sugars in the blood, right? And there's a term called glucose intolerance, the inability to clear sugars from the blood. A very important copper researcher, his name is Leslie Clavet. He's still alive. He's probably approaching 90 years of age now, but he was an MD, PhD. He just published a major article last October on chronic copper deficiency. Leslie Clavet, K-L-E-V-A-Y, excuse me, But in 1986, he wrote a very important article about hyperglycemia and copper deficiency. See, most people listening to the show have been trained like circus bears to believe that insulin is what clears sugar out of the bloodstream, right? Well, insulin's the backup plant. Turns out it's copper that, that clears the sugars. And the people who are most glucose intolerant are people who have what's called Menke's disease. And Menke's disease is is a genetic disorder where the body's not able to load copper into enzymes. And there's a a true 
metabolic deficiency of copper, and those children usually die by the, by the time they're five years of age. And the, the issue is that in, it was 1980 when they identified the fact that Menke's children are the most glucose intolerant people on the planet. And so then we find out, okay, so what triggers the polyol pathway? Hyperglycemia, the inability to remove that copper. What turns out if you have copper, you don't have hyperglycemia, and then you don't trigger the polyol pathway. Neither Dr. Johnson nor Dr. Perlmutter talk about that in their book. They don't talk about the fact that the enzyme xanthine oxidase, which which is what creates uric acid, is stopped by superoxide dismutase, and that's a copper-dependent enzyme. They, they don't talk about the fact that there is a reversal uh, pathway to try to regain energy production within the polyol pathway. It's copper-dependent. So again, there's, there's, as I've said, there's, I've identified 12 different mechanisms to stop that dynamic with creating hyperuricemia, high uric acid, but you need to know about copper to do that. And that's the piece of the puzzle that's missing across the board in the world of nutrition, alternative healing, and traditional healing, conventional healing. I'm pretty good friends with Rick Johnson. I was actually just emailing him yesterday. He's coming back on for some work he's doing with Perlmutter about fructose and Alzheimer's, actually. I think they're both very gifted physicians and, and authors of their own right, but they're they're not... And I say this with affection, their degree is MD, right? And what it stands for is mineral denialist. And they've, ne- they've never been taught about minerals. The, the tragedy is so many doctors have an incomplete education. And they don't, they don't know to question it. They never, it never occurred to them that maybe they didn't get a complete education because they, they had so much they had to learn, right? But what they've, what they've not done once they got their training, they never questioned the narrative. And that's where I think, that's where humanity finds itself between a rock and a hard place now, is no one has questioned the narrative. And for whatever reason, I I have a broken gene there, and I've been questioning the narrative my whole life. I will definitely email Rick Johnson this copper information. He's so kind and so nice and like he loves reading stuff so i i'm going to send this to him and see what he says well i'm i'm actually working on an email for him and i'll maybe what i can do is send it to you like i can introduce you guys personally if you would like if you haven't no i have i've not had a chance to have that come oh he's wonderful i love him i would love see i would love to have that conversation because I, he he comes across as a very curious sincere researcher He's amazing, but he, but it, there's a there's a, a curtain, that, and he's not he's not pulled the curtain back. Well, how do we spell curtain? C U hyphen R T A I N, and so we just have to pull the curtain back. And, and I think he'll be genuinely excited to learn what's really going on inside the body. Hi, friends. Do you want to come hang out with me and Dave Asprey and so many other guests I've had on the show? You simply must come to the tenth annual Biohacking Conference. 
May 30th through June 1st in Dallas, Texas. And of course, I have a massive discount code for you guys. I went last year to the one in Orlando, and it was one of the most fun times of my entire life. I met and got to hang out with so many guests that I've had on the show. I met so many of you guys. And of course, there's lots of Danger Coffee and Dave Asprey approved meals and Dry Farm Wines. And that's just the social aspect. The conference itself is mind-blowing. They have this incredible expo where they have all the biohacking supplements, all the biohacking things. You can learn about them, try samples, meet the creators and founders. If you haven't tried a lot of biohacking things, it's a great chance to actually try them out in person. Things like brain tap, infrared sauna, hyperbaric oxygen chambers, and so much more. There are so many incredible speakers as well. You can hear talks from people I've had on the show like Paul Saladino, Dr. Daniel Amen, Dr. Sarah Gottfried, Dr. Mercola, Dr. Annika Becca, and that is just a few of them. I seriously had the time of my life last year, and I would love to hang out with you guys, and you can get 35% off tickets. Just go to melanieavalon.com slash biohackingconference and use the coupon code BCMelanie to get 35% off your tickets. That's melanieavalon.com slash biohackingconference with the code BCMelanie to get 35% off your tickets. This code can be used for general admission or for VIP access. Seating is limited. They do sell out. They sold out last year. So get your ticket now. And if you come, definitely let me know because I want to meet you. So hopefully see you guys in Dallas. MelanieAvalon.com slash biohacking conference with coupon code BCMelanie. Get your tickets now. I'll see you guys there. Oh, he will. And it comes across. He's like the type. He's like the researcher scientist who you email and you feel like you're just talking to an excited kid. Like he's so great. Oh, totally. I can believe that. That would be a lot of fun to have that opportunity. I'll connect you guys after this. So, okay. Coming back to the iron picture and all of that. So I do have some questions about that. I was actually wondering though, just because it is so fascinating and I think it paints a really good picture of the role of copper and what it actually can do. Could you talk a little bit about the great oxygen event? (laughs) This blew my mind. Yeah. Yeah. It, it did mine. And, and just so people have a sense of where this came from, I had a distinct honor. One of my colleagues paid for a day of consulting with Michael Greenberg, who's a major player in the world of natural healing as a consultant. He told me at the beginning of our conversation, he said, you know, Morley, people are always asking me, hey, Michael, what's new? What's new? He said, it, it got me to realize that I need to ask what's enduring. And I, I, thought about that conversation. I said, you know, for some reason, because I was inspired by his observation, I said, I wonder if oxygen has always been on planet Earth. And lo and behold, it hasn't. (laughs) I was like, wow, that's amazing. And so, again, people have varying opinions about how long the Earth has been here, but we'll just, we'll play with the, uh, the timeline of the astrobiologists. And it goes back billions and billions of years ago, so they say. But what What we learn is that about 3.2 billion years ago, cyanobacteria in the primordial sea started to engage with the sun, this big orb of light. And as they did that, they were engaging in what's called photosynthesis. Photosynthesis is a fascinating process. We don't need to get into it. But I can tell you it's copper-dependent. 
there's there's two systems, photosystem one, photosystem two. Turns out two precedes one, but there's a bridge between photosystem two to get to photosystem one, and that requires copper. And as photosystem, as the photosystem was engaged, it was splitting water to make hydrogen and oxygen. And when there was one-tenth of 1% one oxygen in the atmosphere, because the oxygen would first start to go into the, into the water, and then it went out into the atmosphere. When it was one-tenth of 1%, it wiped out 99% of life on the planet because it was all anaerobic, without oxygen. Now we live in an environment where the air we breathe has about 21% oxygen. And it's been rising steadily for a long time. But what's important for people to understand is that there are three chemicals that evolved as a result of that oxygen in the air. And all three are copper dependent. There's a whole class of enzymes called multi-copper oxidases. And oxidase means it's using oxygen. It's taking advantage of the energy of the oxygen molecule. And so... What these multi-copper oxidases do is turn oxygen, O2, into two molecules of water, 2H2O, in one fell swoop. And it's absolutely amazing. The oxygen molecules being split, four hydrogen protons are being added, four electrons are being added, and voila, in, you know, in the blink of an eye, we've got water, two molecules of water. And to give you a sense of why this is important is there's a thousand different types of multi-copper oxidases in our gut. Oh, well, that might be important to know. So multi-copper oxidases, another chemical that was created is called melatonin. It's not just a sleep hormone. It's the master antioxidant of the mitochondria. And what evolved over a long period of time were was the development of our mitochondria. They're called purple bacteria. And there was a point where, if you will, the, the precursor to the human cells captured the purple bacteria and took it as a source of energy. And it's a, it's a fascinating period of time. But the point is, mito, the uh, melan, melatonin is absolutely essential to keep homeostasis inside the, the mitochondria. It's copper-dependent. And then the third chemical that appeared that everyone's heard of is called cholesterol. And what most people don't know is that it takes 11 molecules of oxygen to make one molecule of cholesterol. So cholesterol is essentially an oxygen zinc. And when you think back to the beginning of the great oxygen event, where there's all this oxygen it would be really advisable to have a chemical that could absorb that oxygen so it doesn't cause rusting. Because this oxygen interacting with iron is going to cause rust. And so this chemical called cholesterol has been around since the beginning of time. It's not a disease. It's a misunderstanding of how copper deficiency causes cholesterol to rise. And why does that happen? Because copper has a unique ability to run and regulate iron 
and oxygen at the same time. And the reason why copper is so important, and it does go back to the beginning of time, is that copper creates energy. Copper clears exhaust. Copper catalyzes enzymes, especially the oxidase enzymes. And copper, and this is important for the COVID era, copper combats enemies. Every pathogen on the planet caves in the presence of copper. And there were only about five to seven articles during that 2020 to 2022 time period that talked about that. I identified 52 articles that clearly indicated that copper runs and regulates the immune system. And so it's just, we, we have to be very careful about our source of information and our gullibility factor. To what extent do we believe the narrative? And I'm hoping that people are increasingly questioning and doubtful about the narrative because it has misled us for a long time. And the, the catchphrase that I use is, we have been misled and we have been misfed. And we're in a world of hurt as a global population because of it. Wow. <laughs> this is so much information. So on the cholesterol front, does that mean people with higher cholesterol have lower oxidative stress? Well, maybe. It, it's a great question, Melanie. I think we don't have enough information. Uh, we don't know what their copper status is. We don't know what their iron status is. We don't know what their vitamin A and D status is. But the important thing is, the most important thing around cholesterol is to what extent is the LDL, the low-density lipoprotein, to what extent is that being oxidized by excess iron in the bloodstream? And that was the, that was the bad guy all along. It was never cholesterol. It was the iron that causes rust. And so what stops that rust is copper. And the, and the master antioxidant protein is called ceruloplasmin. It's a very important protein has 1,066 amino acids, has 20 copper binding sites on its gene. That's a big deal. 20 copper binding sites? Are you kidding? And, and it's just, take it at face value. It's a big deal. And so the model that runs Big Pharma is one gene, one protein, one function. And we, we've been trained to believe that that's how it works. But ceruloplasmin is one gene, one protein, 20 functions. That's a very different model, very threatening to the conventional worldview. And so what's missing in our vocabulary is the word ceruloplasmin and the dozens of enzyme functions that it's capable, capable of expressing. What's, what the listeners might find fascinating is that one of the most important enzyme functions of ceruloplasmin is called ferrooxidase. And what that enzyme does is it turns iron that's plus two into iron that is plus three. It's oxidizing, it's taking away an electron, but it's, it's enabling that iron in the ferric form to be either loaded onto transferrin so it can engage in the recycling program, or it can be loaded into ferritin so it can be stored for safe access for later. Well, that enzyme function would be 
instrumental for practitioners to know what level of metabolic dysfunction are we having in this body. And that enzyme function is expressly prohibited by the Food and Drug Administration. Prohibited to measure? Yeah. Yep. You literally cannot measure it? Why? You're asking the wrong guy. You can measure it in India. You can measure it in Iceland. And so we're, we're left. So the thing is, when you're measuring these enzymes, there's two ways to measure them. You can measure their level, which would be akin to height. And you can measure their activity level, which is akin to their intelligence, their IQ. So, so Melanie, how tall are you? Five, four and a half. <laughs> and a half, okay. Does that in any way indicate how intelligent you are? No. No. You know, I'm six feet. Does that mean I'm more intelligent? No. No, I'm just taller, that's all. And so we have to be really careful about looking at research studies that talk about the levels of these enzymes, but we don't know the activity level. It took me two years to figure out the game that they were playing in the terminology in the, in the research. So going back to the anemia situation and the iron, so like when I was anemic, I was severely anemic. What, what, was the, what was the marker that you were keying in on? My hemoglobin was like four. And so I, I like literally felt like I was dying and I, I walked into the hospital no, it, it, so so for the listener, for a, a non-pregnant woman, what's considered a healthy hemoglobin would be twelve point five to thirteen point five, and when it starts to get below twelve, folks get nervous. When it gets below ten, they get really nervous. But it's important for the listeners to understand that between five and ten, the heart increases its pumping action to make up for the lack of hemoglobin. So it's, I'm not advocating that people get down to five. I'm just saying that it, there's a, an adaptive response in the physiology to adjust for that. When you get below five, then we're in, a different, we're in a different ball field. And so then that begs the question, do you have siblings? Yes. Where are you in the pecking order? Oldest. You're the oldest. Okay, so you got the best that mom had to offer. You, you got the best download of minerals. And so a mom gives up 10% of her mineral mass with each child. So is your mom still living? Mm -hmm. Does she have any health issues now? Yes, autoimmune-related issues. Okay. And when, when she was carrying you, was she dealing with any notable stress? Probably. Okay. And, I, and I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to pry. She just seems stressed in general, so probably... Okay, so here's, here's a safe bet. In the modern era, most young women your age are the fourth or fifth generation to be copper deficient. This started, this started about a century ago. When they, started, when they started using NPK, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium, because they had munitions left over from the First World War, wink, wink, and they had to get rid of it, wink, wink. And it turns out that NPK blocks copper uptake in the root system of plants. And so that's been going on for a century. And that's a big deal. And so, you know, there's all sorts of chemicals that have been adding, added to farming. And now we're dealing with glyphosate. And it turns out that glyphosate is a mineral chelator. But its, its impact is measured on a logarithmic scale, like pH 
and earthquakes. So we know that an earthquake of seven is dramatically different than an earthquake of four. You know, it's a thousand times different. And so glyphosate chelates magnesium at a two, zinc at a six, and copper at an 11. So what does that mean? It means that it chelates copper a billion times faster than it chelates magnesium. It means that it chelates copper 100,000 times faster than it chelates zinc. And that's the mainstay chemical that's used in farming today. And if people are still eating GMO products, they, they probably need to rethink that. What the glyphosate is doing is it's preventing the uptake of copper in the soil so it can't get into the plant or the animals that people like to eat. And so there's a devastating loss of copper on the planet. And so how long ago were you faced with this low hemoglobin? How many years ago? Well, it happened twice. So not that bad. Like when I, <laughs> it's so funny. I walked in, I walked into the hospital and they took my, they did a blood test and then they were like, how are you walking? <laughs> they like, like put me onto a bed. I thought I was dying, but that was 20... 18. So they gave me blood transfusions, not iron infusions. So did I get copper with it then? I mean, because is there copper in the blood? There is copper in the blood, but it, see what, what I'm really hoping to do before I kick the bucket is come up with a safe and accepted form of copper infusion because it's, it's definitely doable. But the thing is, blood is better than iron. That's a, that's a blessing. And what kind of stress were you under back in 2018? That was like the most stressful time of my life. And then being in the hospital, and then it was just a lot of complications as well. Well, let's talk about the stress. Now, I, don't want to, I don't need to know about it, but when we're under chronic stress, the body produces adrenaline and it produces cortisol. Adrenaline is a supercharger for oxygen, and it, and it really messes up iron metabolism. It's forcing oxygen into the mitochondria. Cortisol increases the production of a key protein called metallothionine, four to five-fold increase. And what you don't know about metallothionine is it binds up copper a thousand times stronger than it binds up zinc. So when you're in a period of intense stress for an extended period of time, basically what your body is doing is it's coming to the conclusion you can't seem to handle your stress. I'll start to take you offline. And that's essentially what you were going through in 2018. You were under so much stress. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not aware of the factors, don't need to know the factors. But you need to know that your body was responding to a very stressful environment and is designed. It, the body is really designed to protect us. But there's a point where it just says, I guess I can't do anything. And it starts to take you offline. And that's, that's probably what it felt like, too. Definitely. We were talking about how long, you know, an infusion, although mine was a transfusion, but how long they might last. Well, blood, tra blood transfusion would be different than an iron infusion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I got the blood transfusion in the hospital. And then I did get iron infusions after that as well. Like, that worked. My hemoglobin went up. You know, it takes a while, but it went up from four to like normal range. And then I got anemic again in like a year and a half, like 2020 maybe, or 2019. But the hemoglobin was, was still higher, but the ferritin and the 
serum iron were, were very low. And so I got iron infusions again, and I haven't had issues since then. Well, the part that you didn't know about is that, and this is resource that was first identified in the 1930s, and then a, a very prominent group out at University of Utah Medical Center, uh, they did 32 scientific experiments with copper and iron. But in, in I think it was 47 or 48, they were studying iron infusions. And what they, what they reaffirmed that had been identified in the 30s was that that iron coming in the infusion goes straight to the liver and the spleen. It does not go into the what's called the reticuloendothelial system. It's a, it's the recycling system for iron. And so it's a, it's a, it has a massive metabolic hit on the liver and the spleen. And, and what would be fascinating, I have a, a, a blood panel called the Full Monty Iron Panel, and it would be fun to do that for you and then be able to explain what I'm seeing not just for you, but also for your listeners. I think they would find that fascinating. Oh, no, I definitely think so. And, I, and I've been like, I just pulled it up on my phone. I've been regularly tracking my everything since now since 2019. So not since that really severe situation, since the second time. So Because the second time I got the infusions, my serum iron was 14. My ferritin was, let me see. Was it below 20? Oh, yes, definitely. Ferritin was six, and the hemoglobin was 10.4. Okay. So, again, all three markers are low, some lower than others. And all that tells us is that you're a copper desert. And, and so hemoglobin, again, it's important for people to think about that hemoglobin is 70% of the iron in the body. Hi friends, I am so excited to tell you about something that I am obsessed with that can revolutionize your health, help with stress levels, support longevity, and really help you when you go out and are having a bit of wine or drinks or all the things. And I'm going to tell you how to get $100 off. So I've been talking about the role of NAD in our health for so long. NAD stands for nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide. It is a coenzyme that is involved in so many processes in our body, including energy production and DNA repair, and it is depleted by things like stress, aging, lack of sleep, alcohol, and of course, too much partying. In fact, a lot of researchers believe that declining NAD levels is one of the key factors in aging. That's why I have been really interested in boosting and supporting NAD levels, and I have tried all the things. You can take precursors to NAD called NR and NMN. I still take NMN. However, I am much more alert by directly giving your body NAD. And historically, the most common way to do that that is accessible to people was through NAD IVs and NAD shots. I actually never did an NAD IV for a few reasons. One, they are extraordinarily expensive. Two, I've been doing the shots, which I liked because they were easy to do. That said, they always made me feel a little bit unwell right afterwards. And I've 
heard that the IV makes a lot of people feel unwell. So if the shots were making me feel unwell and that was going into the muscle first as like a barrier, I can't even imagine what putting it straight into my bloodstream would have done. Plus with the IVs, you have to sit there for potentially hours. So basically IVs were a no-go for me. So like I said, I was doing the shots, but I was like, I wish there was an easier way to do this. Then a company called Ion Layer reached out to me. Oh my goodness, friends. I am so obsessed. So they make transdermal NAD patches and they have studies showing that these patches actually boost your NAD levels. And what's so amazing is you put on a patch. It's super easy to put on. I have a video on my Instagram about how you do it. You basically get this patch thing with like a negative side and a positive side. You put saline on one side, you mix up the NAD with some sterile water and the NAD that they give you on the other side. Then you stick it to your arm or wherever you want to put it. You put a super cool black patch over it, kind of like how you put the patches over CGMs. And then what's amazing is there are no side effects. You don't feel unwell from it. And it lasts for 14 hours. And it's so easy. You can do it at home and then you can really decide when you want to do it. So with the shots, I was doing them once a week and I was trying to do them before going out with this patch. Now I put on the patch before going out and it makes me feel so good. It really helps the next day from any alcohol recovery that you may need. And they look pretty awesome with my outfits. Not going to lie. I am obsessed with these patches. I just want everybody to know about them and they are so much more affordable than the shots or the IVs. If you want to boost your NAD levels, support anti-aging, help with your stress, help with lack of sleep, and or optimize your partying. You need these patches, friends. And I'm so excited because working with the company has been amazing and they are giving you guys $100 off, which is incredible. So to get that discount, just go to melanieavalon.com slash ion layer. That's I-O-N-L-A-Y-E-R and use the coupon code melanieavalon to get $100 off your first order. I cannot recommend these enough. I'm going to use them for the unforeseeable future, probably for the rest of my life. It's literally just become part of my arsenal now. Like when I'm getting ready to go out, usually once a week, put on my NAD patch. And even if I don't go out that week, I still like to do one once weekly. Oh, PS, they're also amazing for traveling. You guys know I'm not a big traveler. I've been doing more traveling recently and I wear these on the plane there and back. Game changer. Although it's really fun at TSA, especially because I already opt out and don't go through the scanner thing. So they already are suspicious. And then they're like, what's that on your arm? And I'm like, it's NAD. And then they're like, what's that? And then I'm like, it's a coenzyme in your body that's involved in a lot of metabolic processes and energy production and DNA repair. And then they just look at me really weird, but it's fine. It's totally fine. So again, that's melanieavalon.com slash ion layer to get $100 off your ion layer kit. It comes with six patches, totally the way to go for boosting NAD levels. And I cannot recommend it enough. melanieavalon.com slash ion layer with the coupon code melanieavalon for $100 off. So 70% of your iron is, is, it's not ideal, but it's not catastrophic. The ferritin and the serum iron are lower, but they're also much lower markers for iron status. And so my guess is that your stress level changed. Maybe your diet changed. And there, there are other factors that we can talk about. But I think it's important for, for people to realize that kind of the stance I take is I firmly believe that there is no such thing as iron deficiency anemia on planet Earth for two reasons. One, what it means is that the number one element on planet Earth is iron. It's 36% of the Earth's composition is iron. And, and prior to COVID, I would have argued that humans were the most evolved species on the planet. 
So what that means is that the number one species on the planet cannot metabolize the number one element on the planet. And that doesn't make any sense at all. So then we've got to step back and say, what else could there be? And that's when I really began to, to dig into ceruloplasmin to discover that every facet of iron metabolism is copper dependent. And that the lower serum ferritin is, the more copper deficient the person is. It's the exact opposite of what you think it is. So would there not be the possibility of a case, like, because when I went in with the hemoglobin of four, I mean, it seems hard to believe that I wasn't iron deficient. I mean, is, isn't there the possibility that maybe like my hepcidin was up and I wasn't, you know, absorbing? Do, do you know why hepcidin rises? Inflammation, parasites. <laughs> I don't know. I- it rises in a copper deficient body. That's, it's a very, it's a, it's a very powerful protein, hepcidin. It's 25 amino acids. Ceruloplasmin is 1,066, 40 times more complicated, has eight copper atoms inside it. And we've been, we're being trained like circus bears to believe that a 25 amino acid peptide is overthinking and overregulating a protein called ceruloplasmin in our body. And that's the level of insanity we're up against in the world today. Wouldn't then I have been both copper deficient and iron deficient? Like, wouldn't it still technically be iron deficiency anemia? Well, I think that that's an intriguing question, and it's certainly a possibility, Melanie. What what we don't know is what was your diet like? What was the focus of your diet then? What was the what was the what were the real lots of meat, lots of fish? Okay, well, but it, well, it depends. So if you're if it's fish as opposed to meat. That's going to be a little bit different, but there is heme and fish as well. We know that. But the thing is, I think we need to really drill in and find out what were the dynamics around the stress. And what I encourage my clients to do and what we teach in the training that I do is really pull the curtain back on the stress and find out what's really driving the unrest and work with practitioners to release the fear that's always associated with stress. And that's a really critical cornerstone of the RCP is getting getting to the weeds of what's causing you stress because that stress is burning up minerals. And that's the most important thing for people to know is that when we're under stress, the magnesium burn rate goes up. Yeah, I was just about to say, I was going to say, speaking of stress and burning, (laughs) we haven't even mentioned magnesium yet. No, but, but I think it's important for people to know that we do, we do burn magnesium under stress. But why? Why? Because if, if there isn't copper to regulate iron, the iron interacts with the oxygen, creates oxidative stress, which then burns up magnesium as a byproduct of its function. And that's how all these minerals connect with each other. Quick question, because people debate, I mean, this is a very different approach to to ferritin. And what's interesting about it is people will often, especially in this world that I'm in, will will be like, oh, your doctor's not testing ferritin. And then that's like the magic thing. And they're like, and then it's like, you got to get your ferritin up. What ferritin level do you like to see then? Like, cause I, I'm normally always on the quote lower side, like in the teens and twenties. The first thing we need to to understand is that, again, I mentioned it a little while ago, ferritin is a spectrum protein. 
it, it's got 24 subunits in ferritin. And it can go from 24 subunits are all heavy chain, meaning they have ferrooxidase expression. And you would find that in the heart and the kidney and in the brain and in the nucleus. And it's a big deal. And what that means is that there's copper attached to that form of ferritin. At the other extreme, Melanie, is a protein that has, and so that 20, the, the heavy chain has 24 heavy and zero light. At the other end of the extreme is 24 light and zero heavy. And that's the form of ferritin that's in the liver and in the spleen. Is there a third type? I had in my notes a third type. Well, there's what's called mitochondrial ferritin, and that's heavy chain. And now we discover that there's nuclear ferritin, and that is also heavy chain. But here, but here's where the where it gets exciting. What's happening in the liver is that the ferritin needs to go into what's called the lysosome, and that's the stomach of the cell to be broken down to release the iron that's in there. There can be, oh, there can be as much as 4,500 atoms of iron in one ferritin protein. That's a lot of iron. And so if the liver is not able to complete the breakdown of the ferritin, what happens is the ferritin gets, excuse me, the iron within the ferritin gets dumped in the tissue and the body secretes that ferritin into the bloodstream. And that's the work of, of Douglas Kell, who's a famous iron biologist at University of Manchester. And he wrote a very important article in 2009 called Iron Behaving Badly. And that article had 2,400 footnotes. So it's not like, oh, he's just making this stuff up. He's a, a meticulous scientist. And for people who are interested in another version of iron biology, look at the work of Douglas, K-E-L-L, 2009, 2014, 2019, 2021, 22. I mean, he's got some amazing articles. But, but the important thing is, it's the bookends of ferritin that will kill you. And high ferritin is iron building up in the liver, and I think low ferritin is iron building up in the spleen. And I've only found one article that even alludes to that. But the, the level that I look for, to answer your question, is between 20 and 50, but I like to see it around 20. When it starts to go up over 150 for a woman and over 300 for a man, we have a serious problem of iron recycling. When it gets below 20 for either a man or a woman, I suspect parasites. And I think that may have been contributing to your situation back in 2018. That's what I thought it was, <laughs> intuitively. No, I th but, but the thing that's important to know is there's a famous Australian farmer named Pat Colby, C-O-L-E-B-Y. She's written four very important books, Natural Goat Care, Cattle Care, Sheep Care, and Horse Care. But she makes a point in all four books talking about the fact that any animal that is copper deficient will have parasites. Any, any animal that has parasites is copper deficient. And 
the part that people need to really think through is parasites do not just reside in the digestive tract. They're in our tissue all over our body, depending upon copper status. So that's a very different way of thinking about the, the dynamic between parasites and copper. But it goes back to the great oxygen event that you were asking about earlier. Because copper is directly an anti-parasitic or because it activates the body's mechanisms to deal with parasites? Both. It, it, again, th- thank you. That's exactly, that's, that's the right double answer. It is, it is the primordial, original, antimicrobe. doesn't matter what form it is. Copper will kill it. And the immune system that we rely on needs two things. It needs energy and it needs intelligence. And guess what? Copper provides both. So the way I describe it is copper is a mineral midget, but it is a metabolic giant inside our body. Wow. Yeah, because I remember when I was getting the iron, I <laughs> further adding to the stress, I was mentally torn about it because, well, you know, I thought I really needed it. But then I was like, iron is so inflammatory. And I'm literally just like throwing massive amounts of iron <laughs> into my body right now. Right. No, I've, I've had two clients who were a, a time when this issue surfaces is in pregnancy. And I had two clients literally within months of each other, 39 weeks pregnant, each of them. And they both received iron infusions. Both women almost died and both babies and both babies almost died. And so this is a this is a very serious issue that deserves a lot more scrutiny and discussion and I'm happy to have that dialogue with any and all who want to really get into the weeds of the research because most of the positions of practitioners is based on their training and what I advise practitioners to do is don't confuse your training with the truth because the training is incomplete And we need to have a more robust understanding about what is the research really telling us that wasn't taught in practitioner training. With the two situations that I was in the first time around, I was in the hospital, like kind of is appropriate because you're talking about in the beginning, like signing over your rights. You know, I didn't really know what they were doing to me. And I don't know how much of a dialogue I could have had about them, about like the type they were doing and all of that. But the second time I was in a much better place. And so I was able to do a lot of research on the different iron infusion options and the warnings. And I was like reading all the studies and trying to see which one was most effective with the least, you know, inflammatory potential. There's a famous comment. He was a former director general of the UN. He said, all too often people ask a question in response to the wrong information. And the question that's that's asked is when the doctor asserts you're anemic, the question that's asked is, well, how do I increase my iron? That's not the question. First of all, the declaration, I think, is subject to further testing. And what I would encourage practitioners to do above everything is let's work with copper and see how the person responds to copper. I can, I can, I won't do it now, but I could take you through research starting in 1928 and bring you all the way up to the present day where many different groups of scientists have proven that if copper's low, iron markers are going to be low. 
And let's exhaust the efforts to make copper bioavailable, working with a proper diet, working with retinol, things like that, before we start to play with the most pro-oxidant element on the planet called iron. So your instincts were spot on, Melanie. And there's a part of you that to this day is fearful about what you did. And that's why the emotional freedom technique is so powerful, is you can go back now and and discharge that fear and begin to really engage in in a more robust level of healing. Put another resource out there for listeners. I've had Nick Ortner on the show too for the tapping solution. Great. Nice. Great, great program. Absolutely. I love tapping. So if people want to learn more about that. So I have so many questions still from here. Now we might we might need another show or two, you know. I know, I know. But but I'm not but but, but please don't make us wait nine more months. <laughs> so sorry. Well, actually this is the question. So the timeline on that with the copper, and I don't want to keep talking about my situation specifically, but so even in my situation where it was that low, would you have started with copper first or would you have done maybe both copper and iron? Well, first first thing would be a more complete blood test. What is more complete? Well, the the test I use, it's called the full Monty iron panel. And it has the, the iron markers that you would expect. It's got the hemoglobin, the serum ferritin, the serum iron, transferrin, percent saturation, things like that. But then what it also has is What's the level of magnesium in the red blood cell? What's the level of zinc? What's the level of copper in the serum? What's the level of ceruloplasmin in the serum? Again, we're, we're measuring height, not not intelligence. But but we're gonna what we what we've learned is that the ratio of copper to ceruloplasm gives us an approximation of how smart it is. And then I measure vitamin A and D to get a sense of where those fat soluble nutrients are relative to each other. And with those, it's actually 12 markers. I can glean a lot of information about the metabolic stress that's taking place inside the body. It would be very helpful for people to see how those markers begin to reveal uh, the hidden side. But to your point about would you do both, I always lead with copper. And uh, there's only one client. She's actually a student. Her hemoglobin got down to your level. She was actually at 2.7 was the lowest she got. And she got a blood transfusion. And that's what led to her recovery was, I think it was a series of maybe two or three blood transfusions. And then she was fine. She was able to maintain her recovery based on the principles of the root cause protocol. And measuring copper, is it also a situation where there's an active and storage form? Or that serum copper, is it just that one marker? No, that's a, that's a great question. It's measuring the, the level of copper in the blood, in the serum of the blood, the seawater. Because we don't know what the enzyme activity is, we don't know the intelligence of that copper. And a term that a lot of people are familiar with is called copper toxicity. But what they don't know is the origin of that phrase. It was research done by Carl Pfeiffer, who was an MD, PhD, back in the 60s, wrote a very important book called Mental and Elemental Nutrients. But what people need to know is that he was also a principal in the MK Ultra program that was run by the CIA. So in the research that he did, he, he was talking about Copper becoming unbound from ceruloplasmin. 
And that does happen. It happens in a state of hyperglycemia. It happens in the state of excess ascorbic acid. It happens in the state of excess iron, excess zinc. There are many factors, citric acid, hormone replacement therapy. Many factors will cause ceruloplasmin to release its copper. So copper becomes unbound from ceruloplasmin. But what's important for people to know is that it is immediately bound up by either transcuprine, albumin, or the amino acid histidine. The prevalence of unbound copper is a misnomer. And my source for that information is a world-renowned copper expert, Svetlana Lutsenko, at Johns Hopkins Medical Center. And she said the, the, the prevalence of unbound, truly unbound copper in the tissue is one followed by, it's, it's point 0.1 followed by 21 zeros, negative point 0.1. So it's just, it's, I should say it's one preceded by 21 zeros. Let's put it that way. So the thing is, this idea of unbound copper then became its copper toxic. And it is not, the, the, the part that people need to understand is that for every atom of copper, there's 50 atoms of iron, and they have very similar properties. They both can react with oxygen. Iron is a waiter carrying it. Again, 70% is hemoglobin carrying oxygen to the tissue, but copper is the chef inside the mitochondria, slicing and dicing the oxygen so it can be made into water, that multi-copper oxidase function, and that when water is made, then energy can be released. The thing we've got to understand is that if you suddenly found yourself in a room with 50 ninja warriors, Melanie, who do you think is going to win that fight? I don't know that you're going to win that fight. And, and, what, and what medicine does is it blames you and ignores the 50 ninja warriors. And it's just, uh, it's just the games that they play. And so we, we have to step back from a lot of the narrative about anemia and copper toxicity and say, could there be more to the story? And so I've written 81 posts on iron toxicity. I've got probably 200 YouTube videos, podcast interviews, conversations like this. And people can, you know, begin to hear another story. They can read my book. And it's just they need to understand that what will address a lot of their symptoms is a, a product that I've developed called Recuperate. And it was really born out of the insanity of 2020 to 2022. And it's, it's available on a website called FIQsupplements.com. And let me give you an end of one. It's an it's a anecdotal case study, but I think it's a significant one. It's a, it's a client of mine who's 87 years old, and his first name is Paul. And when I met with Paul in September, his copper levels looked good. They were in the low 100s, but his ceruloplasma was low. And I said, you know, Paul, I think you would really benefit if you took one of my uh, recoup. It's The product's called Recuperate, Recuperate. You know, that shows you my unending wit. And so... He said, great, I'll do that. So I don't hear from him until I get his blood work in January. And suddenly his copper is at 207. 
His ceruloplasm is better, but his copper is at 207. And I, I said, you know, Paul, I couldn't help but notice that your copper is a little elevated. He said, yeah. He said, you know, you told me two things during our, our conversation. I said, what was that? He said, you told me I was in charge, and you told me to take one recuperate. Well, I decided to take six. So that means that he was that means he was getting 12 milligrams of copper bisglycinate. And and that's considered, you know, a little on the high side. I said, I said, that's great, Paul. What have you noticed since you did that? And he looks me in the eye through the camera. He said, Well, Morley, my energy, my sleep, my muscles, and my memory are all better. And that's just with eight weeks of supplementation. So again, I think we we as a society, we don't realize the magnitude of deprivation of copper that's come our way by way of the farming system and the food processing system. People don't realize that the amount of sugar that we ingest is 250 times our ancestors and sugar is going to bind up copper and it's going to have an immediate affinity for iron. People don't understand what's happened to the food processing system, and that one of the most coveted chemicals that's used are called tyrosinase inhibitors. Well, tyrosinase is what's found at the center of the real vitamin C complex, which is which has copper at its core. And, and the food industry is focusing on shelf life, not human life. And so they're more worried about spoilage of the product, not spoilage inside the individual eating the product. And so there's just so many landmines out there. And what the what the book is designed to do is give people a, a working knowledge of where are those pitfalls and what's a simple way to begin to change your diet, change your supplement routine, with simple stops and starts to make sure that people know how the body really runs and can correct itself once it's making energy naturally. Once the body knows how to make energy, get out of the way. It really knows how to run the immune system. It knows how to clear the, the metals. It knows how to address the, the pathogens. But it's got to have energy to do that. Iron being fortified in foods is probably an issue, added to foods. Huge, huge issue. And for those who, who want to do a deep dive, would encourage you to get Jim Moon. It's J-Y-M Moon. PhD, 2008, the book is called Iron, the Most Toxic Metal. And what he introduces is that iron is the only element, only element on planet Earth that can initiate, promote, and progress cancer. And the part that people don't know is that there's nine different forms of iron that are being added to the U.S. food system. All nine forms of iron, all nine forms are carcinogenic. It's important for people to, I've read that book five times now, and I get a new piece of information each time I read it. So it's important for people to know that there is a treasure trove of information, but it's not regularly talked about on mainstream uh, circles. Can I ask you a really quick, super random question? Sure. Absolutely. Speaking of forms of iron, you were saying earlier about how ferritin is stored differently in the spleen versus the liver. And one of the things I started doing to try and raise my iron status <laughs> was taking desiccated 
liver or desiccated spleen. And because spleen is often said to have like seven times the amount of iron as liver, does eating the ferritin in a different form have a different effect on the iron when you have it? That's a wonderful question, Melanie. I don't, I don't know that I've ever read that it does. The, the key would be the source of those organ meats. What was the animal eating? Were they eating grass that was raised in soil that actually has minerals in it, a proper ratio of minerals? Were they eating fortified food, as most animals do? You know, what, to what extent were the animals being fed an organic, true organic and uh, chemical-free diet? And that would change the chemistry and mineral composition of both the spleen and the liver. Historically, beef cattle eating grass in soil that's properly mineralized would have twice as much copper in their liver as they have iron. Well, in the modern era, it's been flipped. And that's the challenge we've got, is that our ancestors relied on these organ meats as a source for minerals and nutrients, but but the liver and the spleen and the heart and the kidney are very copper-rich. They don't just have iron. And, and that's been, been lost to the ages. And you know people love to, to have their barbecue not knowing what that really means. Barbecue stands for barb, B-A-R-B-E, which is French for nose, and Q-U-E, which is French for tail, nose to tail. And our ancestors ate every, everything in between the nose and the tail. Well, we, we don't do that. We eat ribs that are slathered with sugar-encrusted barbecue sauce. And it's not the same thing as our ancestors eating the organs and all the you know, bone broths that were made from the bones and things like that. Hi, friends. One of the most valuable things that I do every single night of my life is my infrared sauna session. The brand that I use is Sunlighten. I did a lot of research on infrared saunas before deciding on them. Their saunas are so high quality. They're low EMF. And what I really love is they have a solo unit. That's what I have. And it's really great if you live in a small apartment, might be moving. It's just really an amazing investment. And they have incredible deals and offers on it right now. You can actually get up to $200 off with the code Melanie Avalon. Or if you're talking to a rep, just tell them that I sent you. And like I said, that will be up to $200 off. And that will also get you $99 shipping. Normally the shipping is like $600. So that's a really, really big deal. And if you do purchase a sauna, forward your proof of purchase to podcast at melanieavalon.com. And I will also send you a signed copy of my book, What, When, Why. If you'd like to learn more about the science of sauna, two resources. I interviewed the founder of Sunlighten, Connie Zach. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And then I also recently did an epic blog post all about the science of sauna. We'll also put that in the show notes. All right, now back to the show. Listeners, all of the information, well, I don't want to say all, but so much of this information is in Morley's book, Cure Your Fatigue. And he also has his entire protocol to address everything. And it's it's very detailed. And he mentioned earlier in passing like the stops and starts. And so if people want a plan, a plan of action and want to learn more, get the book now. I'll also put a link to that Recuperate supplement, which sounds amazing and all of the things. Yeah, maybe we'll have to have you back because I, I wanted, there's still so much more and I want to talk more about magnesium and all of that. And I appreciate the opportunity to do that because it used, as I mentioned before we actually started to record, 
typically when I have this type of conversation, it takes probably three or four bites at the apple to really have all the pieces of the puzzle start to make sense. Because it's this is a very different set of information that most people have never heard. And again, just just to find out that copper runs the nucleus, I think is arresting. To find to find out that that we we can't we we can't transcribe properly without copper. That's that's a real histone metabolism. That's a really important part of our nuclear function, and it needs copper. And so, you know what what often happens if people are familiar with the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. There's a famous scene when George Bailey is boasting about his brother getting the Congressional Medal of Honor, and he's talking to the bank examiner, and bank examiner looks at the headlines and says, yeah, I hear they do that sort of thing. Can we get back to the audit? And it's like, that's what most practitioners do when I start telling them where copper does this, copper does that. They're like, well, I, I didn't learn that, so it must not be important. No, actually, it is really important, and that's why you need to, to stop what you're doing and rethink Maybe there's another way to solve your clients' and patients' problems. It's so interesting. And just to go back to the very beginning of our conversation, I do wonder if it could have been a different way. Like if this part of the research had been focused on instead, if things would have gone differently. Well, you know that it would have. And and maybe in one of our discussions, I can kind of pull the curtain back on some of the most provocative research that was done in the 20s to reveal that it could have gone another way, but it, but it was specifically, if you will, suppressed because it would kill the narrative. And it's and it's not. This is not research being done by Bob Jones. This is research being done by Otto Warburg and Hans Krebs, who are preeminent biochemists and physicians during the twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, and sixties. So it's just a, it's another world of information, and it's just seeking to, to process it and make sense of the world as it exists today. Yeah, this is crazy. Just really quick question. What are the most copper-rich foods? Is it those? Is it organ meats? Organ meats, oysters. Again, we have to be careful. Historically, nuts and seeds. But if, they, if the plants that they're being produced in don't have copper in the soil, ding, ding, ding. So nuts, seeds, oysters, Organ meats, especially the, the liver, the kidney. I mean, I grew up eating a lot of liver and kidney as a kid. You know, the, the, the part that we haven't even touched on, and I don't know whether you have an interest in like pregnancy issues, but the, the placenta, it, it's called the forgotten organ. It's a, it's a copper organ. It's regulating the movement of copper and iron between mother and fetus. And, and there's three different copper proteins that express in that organ that is unprecedented in the human body. And so if mom doesn't have a good supply of copper, it's going to affect copper iron regulation in the fetus. And it's it's a really important piece of physiology that not a lot of people know about. Wow. So many things. So I really, I really appreciate the chance to have this conversation because I know you have a, a very loyal following. And I think there, I, what I would, would predict is there's going to be this tsunami of questions that comes your way. And we'll have a chance to hopefully have a Q&A session. And then if, if there's any way I can get hooked up with Dr. Johnson, I would be honored to begin to s- sort out wheat from chaff 
as it relates to the whole issue. Yes. Well, I would love to connect you with Rick Johnson. I think you guys will really hit it off and he's going to love hearing about, you know, and exploring all of this issue that I think listeners can now understand at the beginning why I was saying this was such a huge paradigm shift and, you know, might blow people's minds because nobody is talking about this. And I am just so grateful for the work that you are doing with not only, you know, doing the research and serving as a flashlight to show this to people, but you're also providing, you know, implementable action plans with your book, your supplements, all the things. So you're providing, you know, action and a lot of agency to people to take charge of their own health. So thank you so much. The last question that I ask every single guest on this show, and it's just because I realize more and more each day how important mindset is. So what is something that you're grateful for? I'm really grateful that Dr. Liz used a phrase in our very first encounter talking about innate intelligence. And when she used that phrase, I looked at her. I didn't say anything at the time. But I thought to myself, if there is an innate healer, if there is an innate intelligence, why do we need millions of doctors around the world? And that phrase inspired me to start to research what is innate intelligence? What's it based on? And what I'm very grateful, I'm grateful to her for starting my quest and for supporting my quest with her willingness to hear me out day by day but also the opportunity to have these types of conversations so that I can reach another audience, so that I can reach more people. And for whatever reason, the universe has decided to take one of the least qualified people to study mineral metabolism and turn him into an expert and give him a platform to share this information for those that are willing to hear it. Not everybody wants to hear what I have to say. Not everyone can hear what I have to say. But it's usually about 2% are ready for truth, and they light up like fireflies when they start to hear this kind of information. So I'm very grateful for the initial spark and for the ongoing ability to do this research, but the ongoing ability to share this research with audiences like yours. Awesome. I love that so much. Well, thank you so much, Morley. This has been absolutely amazing. Yes, we'll have to get it. I think we actually have you scheduled, but I think it won't be enough time for this to air and for people to submit questions. So we can, we'll figure all of that out. But thank you so much. This has been so amazing. And I, oh, oh, I would love to learn more about that iron test. Maybe we can do that and then talk about that too in the part two. I'll send you a link with that iron test. And then you you find a time to do it. And we can have a sidebar conversation about it, but we can also do a, a public discussion of it. It depends on how you want to do it. But I think you'll be mesmerized by what you learn in that simple blood test. Awesome. Yeah, I would love to talk about it when we record so people can, can learn from it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. And I, and I, give, you, I give you high praise for your adroit ability to get this conversation. I don't know what you were doing on your end, but I really appreciate that we were able to have this exchange. I really do. Likewise. Thank you so much. So I will talk to you very soon. Thank you. Thanks so much, Melanie. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. For more information, you can check out my book, What Win Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine, as well as my blog, MelanieAvalon.com. Feel free to contact me 
at podcast at melanieavalon.com. And always remember, you got this.